This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome into another edition of Seattle Sports at Night here on 710 ESPN Seattle. A late night edition. Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here with you for the next hour. Stacy, Curtis, good night to you. Which is usually something you say when you're like departing mm-hmm. or leaving or, or just not going to see somebody. But right. But good night to you. Thanks. you know, good morning. Right. Good afternoon. Good night. Okay. Thank you, Curtis. You're welcome. Yeah. Or good evening. Good evening is something people say when when they're greeting Curtis? somebody. <laughs> yeah. Am I am I just vamping for just to say words on the radio right yep, now? Yep. You've caught me. You've caught me red-handed. But uh welcome in. Thank you so much for stopping by. Coors Light Text Line always there for you. 710-710 right here on Seattle Sports Night. We've got a great hour in store for you tonight. Uh taking a look at some of the moves the Seahawks have made that guys who were well known around here, they're not anymore. Mm-hmm. They're on their way out, or they're already out the door. So how will the Seahawks go about replacing some of those guys over the next year or two? Uh, we'll answer that coming up a little bit later. But uh, we look ahead right now. The Seahawks in the full swing of their second phase uh, of their offseason program, uh, phase two, which I don't know what's the difference between two and one other than the veterans are there now. Yeah, can I tell you something? Yes. This isn't related. Give me the truth. What? Keep it 100. Sometimes when we're on really late after yeah. a Mariners game, yeah. I want to ask the Coors Light text line to like anyone listening, I want to see why you're up. Because some people are going to be like, oh, I'm I'm working. Yeah. Or like, oh, I, I Uber at night. Or like, oh, I'm just, I'm up late working for something. Or or I'm at work. But I want I want to find the one person that's like, yeah, I'm like I'm robbing a house. Oh no! <laughs> or like, no, we can't I, encourage that kind no, of no, behavior. No, 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 I'm not saying it's there. I'm just saying sometimes I think about it. Like sometimes I think, don't you ever think like, what if there's someone listening right now? It's just up to that's no committing good. a. Yeah, I'm just and has I'm this just, on his background noise to their crimes. Yeah, yeah or like to their crime spree. You know, or or someone that's like. <laughs> just something I think about. Uh, I really hope that's not the case. I want I want listeners I of this show to be good, upstanding citizens, doing yeah. the right thing. I know it's not stomping out trouble when they see it. I know it's not the question you asked. No, it's not at but all. But it's the answer I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's what you get here on Seattle Sports <laughs> at night, right here. But. Uh, with that 7, being 10, 7, said, 10. why are you up? Yeah, why are you up? What crimes are you committing right now? Text that in. But uh, let's stop wasting time. Let's check out what is on the Tuesday night timeline. Seahawks entering phase two of their offseason program. Vets and rookies, they're working out together for the first time yep. this week. They kicked off the voluntary workouts yesterday. Bobby Wagner, his contract situation still up in the air. He's representing himself, but a good sign is that he was there. When you see Bobby Wagner at the Seahawks facility, even with a question mark surrounding his future with the organization, does that give you hope that a deal will be done soon between the two parties? Uh, I think it, to me, says less something about the deal and more just something about Bobby Wagner, who I think is taking a cue from K.J. Wright, 
uh, a close friend of his, a teammate of his, uh, just in the way that they're approaching that contract year. So I think, I don't know if it says anything about a contract. I think it's more just that I would be surprised if Bobby Wagner wasn't there for, for voluntary stuff. Another, I guess, surprise of somebody being at phase two, Michael Kendricks with his legal status up in the air, awaiting sentencing after being convicted of insider trading about a year ago mm-hmm. uh, is when, or le- less than a year ago. Um, but to see him out there, I think that is a is a positive sign. That is something that I kind of was wondering. Like if that, I almost read into more be, than Wagner. Yeah, how like, involved well, would he be if he knew that he was going to be facing a lengthy right, prison sentence? Right. Well, and would the Seahawks still be retaining him? I don't know. I just I keep getting the feeling, um, just from how all of this is unfolding, that he's not going to see significant time, or that this is going to go Seattle's way. And maybe that's wrong. I don't know. But that's to me, this is just another check on that box. Yeah. Jim Moore and Danny O'Neill famously have a $100 bet going. Do they? If Michael Kendricks is out for week one based on his legal status, then Jim Moore gets 100 bucks from Danny. But if if Michael Kendricks is available week one, yeah. then Legal Danny, status only. Yeah. I, no, um, not injury status. See, I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, exactly. When, when people ask me... Especially here at work, because we work with some degenerate gamblers. We do. And, Jim Moore. Yeah. Chief among them. Graz also in there. Uh, when they ask, like, hey, you want to put, like, 50 bucks on this? I'm like, no, no. Not at all. No, I don't. I don't have that kind of money. What do you mean? Am I willing to just drop 50 right now and not get it back? Absolutely not. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm going to go put it in an Uber Eats order that's <laughs> No, I'm not insane, but I will spend $25 on a Subway sandwich to have it delivered at 2 a.m. Exactly. Like, come on. Let's let's be real. It's always funny when you consider, like to me, um, parking parking is awful around our company. So I've gotten a number of parking tickets. 45 bucks seems like the most annoying amount to spend. But then I'll spend, I've probably spent that much on Uber Eats. To get oh, sushi or something. One million when I, And it just felt very justified. Like, I've had a really hard week. Yeah, like, just let me have this one. Let me do this. Let, let me have some me time here. Uh, some other, well, not really Seahawks news as he's a free agent, but he was last with the Seahawks. Defensive end Deion Jordan suspended 10 games for violating the NFL's PED policy. Uh, he was banned for testing positive for Adderall. He had previously been prescribed the drug, uh, but his... Exemption had expired, so he needed to get that renewed in order for him to take this. He hadn't, so he gets suspended for 10 games following uh, this suspension here. And, you know, he's a guy that has overcome a lot of personal struggles over the last couple of years here in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, whether he was going to come back to the Seahawks or not, they, they were rooting for him because he, it looked like he had sort of gotten his past legal and, and his past substance abuse issues behind him, and that's what made him flame out of the NFL in the first place. But then the last couple of seasons, playing productive games for the Seahawks when healthy. Uh, just an unfortunate turn of events today, uh, seeing Deion Jordan get suspended for the next 10 games, which really I don't think is going to increase his chances of getting signed this It feels this like effectively season. a season. Yeah, and... I, I wonder if these 10 games can be served without him being on a roster or if it's 10 games 
once he gets onto a roster? I don't know. That's a good question. I would assume it's once he's signed. Which, but that's just that's, me guessing. Yeah. So, and, and this will decrease the chances of him probably getting signed. Because they aren't going to count him as 10 weeks uh, just being like, okay, starting. Because it's technically 10 games. Yeah. So you have to be eligible for those games, right? I think so. Uh, Deion Jordan told the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero he took Adderall in December of 2018 uh, through January of 2019 as a way to cope with issues not related to football. Uh, the NFL's drug testing policy, by the way, very archaic. It is. Like, it's just whack in general. Yeah. And it's also uh, a bummer for guys who live in states that have uh, different. Like a statewide drug law that's different from a federal law just because there's some – it's not that there's some confusion. It's just that it is – it's it's tough when you're – when there's just a lot to navigate. It's legal by the government standards but not by your employer standards. Yeah. It's a a tough road – or it's a tough line to tiptoe. I think it could use some fine-tuning. I think so. Uh, some other, well, former Seahawks news as well. John Ryan, who was out of the NFL a year ago, really out of the game of football. Well, he's back this time in his hometown of Saskatchewan, or his home province of Saskatchewan in Canada. He signed with the Rough Riders. Best mascot. It was so good that they named another team in the CFL the Rough Riders for a short time. There were six teams. Two of them were named Rough Riders. You can't. No one was like, yo, you stole that yeah, from us. Yeah, no one was like, um, we're the Rough Riders, How did they guys. even get away with this? Uh, well, like, imagine so just another they, team being like, actually, we are the Detroit Seahawks. Here's how they got away with it. One of this us is, is going to have to change. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Rough Riders is one word. Yeah. I believe it was Ottawa at the time. Rough Riders was two words. That That's how is you circumvent it. So stupid. That, well... Yeah, Ryan, he left the Seahawks, the all-time leader in punts, net average punts, gross average. Uh, but Michael Dixon, now the Seahawks punter. Yeah, John Ryan, great guy, huge in the community here in Seattle, but uh, I think the Seahawks are much better I've off I've never seen Michael Dixon. anyone embraced more quickly and sincerely than, than was Seahawks punter Michael Dixon embraced by Seahawks Twitter. Oh, yeah. I've never seen two things come together that way. If he weren't Australian, he would not have been as embraced. I mark it down. That is my okay. hot take of the night. If he were not Australian. I think there's some truth not, to that. Yeah. Yeah, I could but see But since it. he's Australian playing an American game, ooh, crikey, I'm the wacky no, Australian. You can't even try. Yeah. You're like the opposite problem of, um, is it Kyle, who tries to sound British and can only sound Australian, but like really good Australian. <laughs> like he sounds legitimately Australian, but he's trying to sound British, you have the opposite problem. Mm. Well, I guess it's... I don't care. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Some Mariners news. Kyle Seager made his first rehab start since injuring his left hand during spring training. He'd been on the 60-day injured list since March 14th. He finished one for four today while playing DH for Tacoma. It presents a little bit of a roster shuffle. Uh, when Seager's eligible to come off the, the IL on the 25th of May. You've got Ryan Healy, who has played the entire season at third base so far. You've got a logjam at first base where Healy is more comfortable at, so mm-hmm. you don't quite know how that's going to shuffle out, but it's a good problem to have because there's a lot of good bats in that in that traffic jam. Maybe the Mariners can figure that out, but uh, Mariners at a point in their season right now where it doesn't look like they're going to be playing for a ton uh, but 
if you can get Kyle Seager back healthy, maybe uh, maybe there's a team out there that will be interested in him. And then some uh, NFL trade rumors, Kyle Rudolph of the Vikings. I just feel like I kept seeing this as something that was more of thrown. The Seahawks name were thrown into the Twitter pot. Yeah. I think they, they get thrown in there with I, most trade rumors because yes. of how active their front office is. I think that's true. And I also think that the minute that people can't think of a name that leads that position group, they're like position of need. Yeah. But you look at the Seahawks. They traded for Jacob Hollister, uh, the, what, a couple days after the draft. Yeah. They've got Will Disley coming back They had back a UDFA healthy. guy come in. Yeah. Um, they've also got... Nick Ed Vinette, Dixon's still here. Nick Vanette, Tyrone Swoops. Yeah, it's got not well. In, names. They've, with the exception of Jimmy Graham, they've kind of gone for a while, just using it as more of a blocking position mm-hmm. than anything else. I mean, I know Luke Wilson was involved, but he never led the team in reception. Like it, it's always been. Yeah. It's never been a position they leaned on. And I think teams are like, well, everyone wants a Rob Gronkowski, and it's like, well, it depends on your team. Yes, everyone wants that, but like it. If you have to sort where your focus is going to be, for Seattle, it's not going to be on tight end. What's interesting about their tight end position is in their best years under Pete Carroll and John Schneider, they went out and splurged in free agency on Zach Miller, who at the time was known as a receiving tight end. Like He was a guy who... And ended up being their best blocking exactly. tight end. Exactly. Like he turned his game around and became... Uh, or not turned his game around, but he turned his game into a different area of expertise yeah. and became a vital member of the Seahawks' uh, passing game and also their run blocking as well. So uh, who knows if Kyle Rudolph finds his way in Seattle, but definitely an eye-opening move if it does happen. Coming up next year on Seattle Sports at Night, a lot of big-name Seahawks have departed over the last couple of seasons. But which one will be the hardest to replace? We answer that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to Seattle Sports at Night via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up next in Big If True, the NBA Draft Lottery happened tonight. We now know who's got the number one pick in the NBA Draft, but with that comes some conspiracy theories about how that selection is made. And then it gets you thinking about other conspiracy theories you've got about sports. Stacy, Rost, and myself, we give ours coming up about 15 minutes from now here on Seattle Sports at Night. But uh, over the last, well, certainly over the last week, the conversation has been a lot about Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor and what they have meant to the Seahawks organization now with them both no longer being members and then you look at other people who have departed over the last couple of seasons. Earl Thomas also in this offseason, signing with Baltimore. Richard Sherman getting released, going to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Michael Bennett traded to Philadelphia. Cliff Averill uh, retiring. You look at those what six guys who were instrumental in the biggest, best years of the franchise, and it, it gets you wondering, like, how are the CX going to be able to replace this level of production? And then... In some cases, it may be impossible just because of how good that player was here. Like, when I think of, I mean, we'll we'll answer this question. Like, who is going to be the hardest to replace when it comes to on-field production? And maybe also what they meant in the Seahawks locker room. Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman, Earl, Cam, Bennett, and Averill. 
When you look at those six names, Stacy, which one jumps out to you right away as the toughest to replace? Well, I think there's the most uncertainty around Baldwin. I think uh, fans have seen enough of this team um, without Earl Thomas, without Richard Sherman. Um, and I know Baldwin was injured last year, but ultimately only missed three games, What right? Three or four? Yeah. Um, and uh, I know Lockett still led the team in receptions, but it's been – you haven't really seen Russell Wilson's career without Baldwin as a – as a number one receiver or in three years during. But other than that, he's been the top receiver. So you really haven't seen a Seahawks offense truly without him. Um, I think it's clear that there was a drop-off with the loss of all pro and pro bowl players in your defense, and that's to be expected. Um, But I think that this presents a new kind of challenge because when Seattle was losing defensive players most especially in that secondary I think the narrative and there's some truth to it is that Pete Carroll is just truly adept at at nurturing uh, and uh, finding a way to build around defensive backs to spot those talents it's um, kind of where his passion is personally and so that that there would be a bit of an advantage in replacing that group I think with receiver it's something they haven't really had to deal with and and just on offense in general, it, it was a little bit different. I mean, look at how long it took them to find a running back after the loss of Marshawn Lynch. It, they didn't see a, a running back get more than 1,000 yards in four years. Not only that, but with the exception of Thomas Rawls getting like 850 or so yards in 2015, um, they didn't even have a running back get more than just a couple hundred. Um, yeah, it so was uh, there wasteland. Was, yeah, so there was quite a drop-off. And I think that this team has just been rebuilding a lot of the loss on defense and this just presents a really unique challenge that at least when it comes to um, a couple other positions tight end might be another one I mean the loss of Zach Miller they weren't able to find someone to replace him when they drafted Nick Vanette they said he was a a type of tight end that they envisioned like a like a complete tight end like Zach Miller didn't they say Zach Zach Miller and he obviously did not end up um being utilized the same way and so again I just think you know I don't know that it's not a clearly rebuilding that defensive back group it's not the same caliber but it's a strength as far as coaching goes we don't know what the what that looks like on offense yet so I'm gonna say Doug Baldwin I think that's a great point you brought up about the Seahawks yeah I mean yeah you bring up great points all the time but especially in this moment (laughs) Uh, about the secondary and how Pete Carroll is able to coach those guys up. I think there was a huge fear among Seahawks fans, myself included, uh, because we saw it, what was it, three seasons ago when Earl Thomas broke his leg and was out for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. When Stephen Terrell came in, the secondary was just a shell of what it was. And this last season when Earl Thomas went down, broke his leg uh, another time against Arizona, I think there were a lot th- – those fears quelled up again, and we didn't see the Seahawks' secondary drop off dramatically. Um, they were serviceable. It wasn't like they were all pro again, but it wasn't a glaring, glaring weakness the way it was at the end of, what was it, the 2016 but season? But you saw his absence at key moments, though. Yes. So you still – there still was a – 
a noticeable difference. But you could win with the 2018 secondary minus Earl Thomas. Yeah, I mean, they Whereas did. in 2016, I don't think you could win and, and sustain that winning with the secondary what it was when Earl Thomas Well, won. and they had so many longtime starters that weren't missing time. I mean, you have to think about it. When they were 2012 starting, you know, losing to Atlanta in the playoffs, but when they kind of started that run on the upswing, they had a lot of guys that just didn't miss time. So you didn't have it with the exception of the defensive line where depth was a plus because of your rotation, not necessarily because Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, we have guys injured and our backups are great, too. That was part of what what made you strong up front was was the ability to keep that rotating and keep that going. But that wasn't it wasn't built necessarily like, okay, then we have our backups and we try to make them good, too. So so when those players started either being released or being injured, um, I think that was, I don't think Seattle had been leaning on, quote, second team players in the same way yeah. until all of a sudden they were like, oh, we, we need better backups. Now, I think the guy who's going to be hardest to replace out of those six, when you talk Baldwin, Sherman, Thomas, Chancellor, Bennett, and Averill, I'm actually going to say Cam Chancellor because of his on field production. I mean, numbers wise, you can get that production out of another top-flight safety. But the other things that he brought to the Seahawks, that intimidation factor, him being six foot four, two 230 pounds as a safety, just a, an absolute brick house in your secondary that altered opposing teams' game plans because wide receivers didn't want to go anywhere near him because they knew they were going to get absolutely destroyed if they did. I mean, that kind of fear to put that in your opponent so much to the point where teams look to avoid him at all costs, like that is so incredibly hard to replicate. It is. It's hard to find someone that has that ability and presence in general combined with the athleticism and just the size. And I think Brock Heward mentioned this morning when talking about Marquise Blair being second in the Pac-12 in coverage um, as being more of a complete safety, someone that could, that wasn't that like, uh, like bigger safety, like a Cam Chancellor, but was just as fast as he was a hard hitter. And he mentioned that Paul Moyer um, said, you know, that's going to end up being where teams kind of start veering because you're going to get offenses where you're you're going to need to be able to switch and and you can't be big and strong at the expense of being quick. But that being said, it's really hard to it's really hard to measure the that intimidation factor that that well, brings. Yeah, it's, it you know what I mean? So that's the thing. It's like, yes, literally when it comes to how you work with the way offenses are evolving, versatility on defense does become more useful. But when you talk about the kind of defense specifically that Seattle likes to run, you want a statement player. And that happens to be someone that is more like a Cam Chancellor. Um, obviously, that's not to take anything away from the other players, but I mean, how many times do you do you hear Carol in general praise hard hitting and tackling and strength and aggressiveness? And that's what he likes to see. That's what he wants the tone to be from this team. So whether or not offenses are evolving in a way that makes you move away from that, that's what he's always prized. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports at Night, big if true, the NBA draft lottery 
was tonight. We know who the number one pick is going to be. But there's also been some controversy surrounding how those teams get decided over the years. We give our best sports conspiracy theories next. And we'll tell you why exactly, why they're big if true. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up, we answer your questions. Ask us anything. Anything. I mean it. Literally anything you want to ask us, it's there for you. Coors Light text line. Doesn't mean we're going to answer it, but I mean... We're at least giving you the opportunity. Don't say we never did anything for you. Yeah. It's not being ungrateful. Mm. Just in general. <laughs> yeah, a great a way to, is yeah. to alienate the audience. Oh, yeah. I've, just to call them out yeah. right away. It's just kind of a Radio 101 thing. Yeah. I should do classes. Number exactly. one, make people feel like you hate them. Mm-hmm. Number two, sound ungrateful. Especially when you're in the middle of the night yep. and should be gracious for any and all listeners yes. that you're getting yep. at all. And no, now, the, nope. The trick is to not is to not care and and be a jerk. (laughs) Okay. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. But uh, tonight, the NBA draft lottery, it's concluded. Uh, Zion Williamson, we know where he's going to go now. Uh, But it also kind of begs the question, like, is is this legit? Because I know that you believe that. I know that you both believe that the NBA lottery is rigged and are also fine with it. Yes, I am 100% fine with it. Yeah. And I believe it's rigged. It's it's the best of both worlds. And it's got me thinking and it's got Stacy thinking, what are some of the best sports conspiracy theories out there? Because, I mean, if those are true, then it's big. What else is true? Exactly. Which brings us to tonight's big, if true. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Big, if true, sports conspiracy edition. Now, Stacey, just looking back at the history of the NBA draft lottery, some, yeah, of, the, huh? some of the weirder instances, the very first one. The frozen, oh, okay. Yeah, the frozen envelope the with frozen Patrick envelope. Ewing and uh, the New York Knicks, who also, by the way, tonight have the best odds uh, of obtaining see, the number one overall. if it's a lottery, yeah. shouldn't have, everyone's odds should be the same. It should be, but they have weighted odds. It's almost like everyone knows. Everyone knows that it's not truly a lottery. Exactly. It's a weighted lottery where the the Knicks have the most ping-pong balls of any team. Yeah. Uh, But back in the day, Patrick Ewing goes to the Knicks because the commissioner was told to pick up the coldest envelope in the giant wheel that they had. They didn't use ping-pong balls back then. They just did it at random. They had eight separate envelopes in a giant wheel. I think they should do it like a gender reveal. With like... You know what I mean? Like they cut the into it. And then yeah, like yeah, Nick's yeah. balloons that pop they, out. Yes, or you cut into a cake and it's the team colors. Yeah. But then what happens The Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. What happens when it's like red and white and just several teams look confused? Yeah, I know. Oh, like, no. Uh, oh, man. Chicago Bulls and Atlanta Hawks are both looking at each other like... The Raptors get in there. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, that could be us. <laughs> Guys, you're playing for the Eastern Conference Finals. It can't be you. I mean, nope, it's us. No, but there are other examples of it. Anthony Davis, when he was picked by New Orleans, I I believe that was because the season prior, the NBA had nixed a trade that would have sent Chris Paul to the Lakers from New Orleans. 
Uh, and it was just kind of a make good saying, hey, like we won't let you do this trade, mm-hmm. but we will let you get this franchise-changing player in return. Uh, there are other instances. A couple of years ago, the 76ers won the NBA draft lottery. Multiple hours ahead of the lottery reveal, Dikembe Mutombo, who used to play for Philadelphia, tweeted out his congratulations to the Sixers organization for winning the draft lottery. See, and this is why my secondary conspiracy theory is that he knew what he was doing. Ooh, and he wanted it to get shot. out that he's a whistleblower. Ooh, for Dikembe. The, yeah, for the mm-hmm. conspired draft. Yeah. Well, and then there are other ones, too. They had the Greg Oden, Kevin Durant one. It was pretty fortuitous that both Pacific Northwest teams, who were kind of in the doldrums at the time, get two franchise-changing talents in Kevin Durant and Greg Oden. Obviously, we know how that story Mm -hmm. played out with Greg Oden not being a factor in his NBA career and Kevin Durant only playing a season here in Seattle. But it seemed fishy that both teams who – I feel like the NBA wanted to kind of restore a rivalry between the two franchises because just growing up as a Sonics fan, I never viewed the Trailblazers as the biggest rival mm-hmm. of, of Seattle. I feel like it was the Jazz or the Lakers or the Suns. It wasn't the Trailblazers. And I guess to, to bring in a, in a draft when you had two humongous prospects like that and give them give one to each city i mean I cer- maybe that did something yeah and i certainly think in general and this isn't a conspiracy theory but you look at the way that rules are implemented in the nfl and part of that is because people t- it's you're following money people tune in to watch touchdowns mm-hmm. and quarterback jerseys sell the most like you want those people to be stars but speaking of favoring a newer location or franchise what do you got you had you brought this oh, up yeah. is the NFC championship most recently between the New Orleans Saints and now the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. That there's and, a theory And people I mean, people have just said, how could that possibly be? This is the NFL. You know, there's there's no such thing as a conspiracy. They they would not fix a result to help out an organization. But let me bring up this Okay, because I'm gonna disagree, I think. Okay. So the NFL has tried desperately for what feels like a century now to get the NFL to take root in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. to build up a fan base, to make it you know, a legit NFL market. This is the number two media market in the United States behind New York City. Like in, in The NFL, for whatever reason, has never had success in Los Angeles to build up a, a team that sweeps the city. And, too trendy. Exactly. They have too many options. Exactly. They're... I think there's like 16 professional sports teams in the city of Los Angeles. It's absurd. I feel like the NFL said, we are going to take care of the Rams at every single turn. We're going to take you from St. Louis and we're going to get, we're going to help you build your new stadium, your $2 billion stadium. We are going to get you the number one pick, which you got with Jared Goff. And then you're going to get all these super duper stars in and Dominican Sue and Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Aaron Donald, uh, Marcus Peters. You're going to get all these players in that have big profiles throughout the league. We're going to put them in this media hub, and we're just going to build you up. We're going to put you on prime time as much as possible. And then, if it comes down to it, we will get you into the Super Bowl right away. Okay, counterpoint specifically to the play in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you plan that. 
and in my opinion is that it's really like a what's um the black swan do you know what i'm talking about we've talked about this before no 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 no. i think it's called like the black it's not black swan theory but it basically says that you try to rationalize and justify something that that doesn't really make sense after the fact and to me that's what this is and Mm. it doesn't fall in line exactly with that but i think that this is the most simple answer is what it is which is not the black swan theory it's actually what is it occam's razor whatever i sound like an idiot what i'm saying is that i think this genuinely was a very bad non-call that the league handled incredibly poorly afterward oh, and did absolutely. not come out and address that to me what all of the, is what all of this is and i think that in lieu of just accepting that it was handled poorly and it was a bad no call and it's just really bad luck it's attempting to justify what happened. The other stuff to do with the Rams and the, just the move to L.A. for for the Chargers, for the the league's attempts to move to L.A., that, I think, is driven entirely by revenue. owners and revenue. Exactly. That has nothing to do. Like, I think if a team, if the league and the owners decide that's where they want to take something, I think there's very little, realistically, that, that fans can do. Yeah, I think so. What about another instance in that exact same stadium about five or six years prior yeah actually six or seven years prior uh super bowl 47 which i still can't believe this happened between the ravens and 49ers now it was a blowout at the time i think the ravens were up like 24 to 3 yeah at this point it was right after jacoby jones took a kickoff for a touchdown and the power goes out at, during the Super Bowl at the Superdome, the power just is gone, blackout, and then you've got CBS's studio crew having to just kill time for, it was like a half hour to an hour. But don't forget, a very important part is that before that, Beyonce had a phenomenal yes, performance that this could have house. been connected. Or, I don't think this is, or it's on purpose. Or the NFL did it so that both teams could kind of reconfigure and get this game back to a, a much closer affair because I think the NFL at the time could feel people tuning out. I mean, if it's but a then blowout, why not do that in other Super Bowls? Why not do that in Super Bowl Forty Eight? Well, that's a good point because I mean there have been lots of lopsided Super Bowls. There have been, but advertising revenue back in those days, yeah. back in the seventies when it happened a lot more often, that's true, was not what it is now. Uh, and then. You've also got the game. The game actually became a very tight game at the end. I think it ended up just being a field goal game. Yeah. San Francisco had an opportunity to win it with their final offensive possession. Uh, but yeah, what are some other sports conspiracy theories out there? Mm, there's the flu game. The with idea Michael that Michael Jordan was actually poisoned, or that he was intentionally given food poisoning, mm. not like poisoned. Um, which I kind of, I could buy that. I, Maybe yeah. that's the more far out one than any. There's of the also others. the conspiracy that he was hung over that night, but it was also a in hangover, Utah. Though. It was in Salt Lake City, which is a pretty dry town that closes up shop around 10:30 every night. So yeah. I don't think Michael Jordan's going to be out late at night in Salt Lake City. Um, there's Cal Ripken Jr.'s record streak of games played was saved by an intentional power outage. Ooh, this one is in I've 1997. Not heard that it says, in 1997, two years after breaking Lou Gehrig's record for consecutive games played, 
Uh, a game between the Orioles and Mariners was postponed because of an electrical failure that affected the lights at Camden Yards, led to a wild rumor that the team intentionally caused the failure to save Ripken's streak when they learned he would be unable to play after he got into a fight with Kevin Costner. What? Yeah, dude, we need to we need to have conspiracy hour yeah, for every show and go back and look at that. Um, NBA rigged Game Six of the 2002 Western Conference oh, Finals Kings to save the Lakers. Lakers season. Yeah, I think the Lakers <clears throat> shot like 40 more free throws that night than the Kings. There's also Game Seven of the '93 Western Conference Finals between the Suns and Sonics. Similar situation when the Suns shot way more free throws than the Sonics did. Um, there's uh. Pete Rose had a secret agreement to be reinstated to baseball after lifetime ban. But that one's not as exciting yeah. to me. Uh, the 2005 NHL draft was rigged. So the that Pittsburgh was the Penguins one can draft Sidney Crosby. Crosby. Yeah, because uh, there hadn't been a season prior to that. And so it's like, how do you determine the draft order coming out, out of a lockout when no games were played? Yeah. And so they gave teams that hadn't made the playoffs, I think, in the last three previous seasons more ping pong balls than teams that had just made the postseason. And the Penguins, a team that was in desperate need of a superstar because they were like on the verge of moving, Mm -hmm. they gave them Sidney Crosby. And then, as we know, the rest is history. They've won three Stanley Cups since and are now one of the top revenue-producing franchises in the entire league. Another theory that people have uh, also tied to the NHL is that has to do with the Golden Knights success that they think that Gary Bettman and the NHL rigged the expansion draft specifically for the Knights to become the most successful first-year franchise in the history of professional sports. Hey, if they do that for Seattle, I'm cool with that. I'm, like, that's another I'm theory I'm fine with. I'm cool like, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. You play the Game of Thrones or you die. Exactly. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports Tonight, we wrap up this one with your questions. Ask us anything to the Coors Light text line 710-710. That's next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need your questions. Coors Light text line, it's there for you. It's always there for you, just as we are. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Rost, Seattle Sports at Night, wrapping up the night, getting you set for Wednesday, which actually it, it is Wednesday right now. Uh, but we end up we end every show with your questions. Ask us anything, Stacy. What are you seeing on the Coors Light text line right now? Let's catch you. I'm going to start by asking you a question that we had yesterday. Oh yeah, because of what Jake said. I said if you could be paid to have any job in the world, any job in the world, or I didn't. I guess I didn't say if you could be paid. I said if you could have any job that wasn't in sports or football, sports radio or football, what would you choose? Did you hear this? No. He said he would be a golf caddy. Really? <laughs> and I said, Jake, you could be anything. I didn't know that Like he loves picking out clubs. That's what I said. So much. I think he was saying, well, they get paid a lot depending on who you work with. And I was like, yeah, but Jake, the point is that you can be whatever you want. Yeah. And like money's no object. Yeah. You can do whatever it is that you want. So then he said, uh, I, for- I forgot what the other one was. It was, it was a better one. But his first answer was golf caddy. Wow. Dream job. Dream job. No, uh, no shame. No, I mean, shout out to golf caddy. As a kid, I really wanted to be a truck driver. 
<laughs> like yeah, no, eighteen wheelers. Sure. Yeah, that was that was something I really wanted to do as a kid. Uh, I don't know if that's something I'd want to do now. If, if My dream job when I, I mean, the, there's a difference between your dream job when you really think about it as an adult and your the job you pretended to do as a kid. Like when I was a kid, I used to pretend to be a waitress. Like it was like we would set up, I would set up our kitchen and then I would put Pepsi in like the, um, the coffee tiny pour. No, 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 no. no. Like the, you know, like our, what's it called? Just a coffee. Like the coffee maker. The coffee maker. I would fill it with Pepsi and then I would like refill. So it looked like coffee. So my dream of being a waitress wasn't even at like a really nice restaurant. It was presumably (laughs) a down and out diner where people are in there at like 2 a.m. drinking coffee. Some place called like uh, Betty's. Exactly. With like a whole bunch of like aluminum decorations and stuff. And you're you're chomping your gum. I'm like, I can't wait to get out of this town. Yeah. What do you want, Sonny? Hey, sweetheart. Yeah. And I'm filling up the coffee. Yeah, we got grits. You want grits? <laughs> we got grits for you. Yeah. That's my that was my dream job. Nice. Yeah. Uh yeah, truck driver. That's that would be That's fine. Yeah. Curtis, have you ever done anything stupid to impress someone? To impress someone? Mm-hmm. Uh in like junior high. Did you ever have to run the pacer? What's that? It's this recording. Uh, that you run from one side of the gym to another with these beeps, and they get faster and faster the longer mm. the recording goes on. I don't know. Uh, I tried to impress like people, be like, oh, I could totally get to a hundred, and by like forty-five, <laughs> I was completely gassed and just like, mm, nope, not gonna nope. make it. I not know I said hundred, but yeah, not getting there. I never anything like athletic or cool it's one of those things that when you're younger it seems cool I was walked so this was probably elementary school so this is we're talking like fourth or fifth grade um there was a boy I had a crush on uh and he was standing on the playground which this part of it was cement and so I was walking in and I saw a puddle and I was like I'll be really cool looking if I'm not afraid of stepping in a puddle. Mm. <laughs> Check me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I walked straight through it. Turns out it was like six inches deep. Oh, no. <laughs> and, so you've got water on your ankle. And not only that, yeah. but he laughed at me. Oh. I know. Yeah, here's... I think he's in jail now. Oh. So, I mean, Yikes. dodged a bullet. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Here's the uh, pacer test. Capacity test that progressively gets more difficult as it continues. This is riveting. The 20 meter pacer test will begin in 30 seconds. Line up at the start. The running speed starts slow, but gets faster each minute after you hear the signal. A single lap should this be completed sounds like each it, time were, you hear Did you do sound. this in 1984? Remember no, I did this in like in a straight line 2004. Run as long as possible. The second time you fail to complete I mean, a lap before this the might sound, be the first time this test is over. played on The test will begin radio. on the word start. I don't like it. On that. your mark, get ready. Oh, are you ready? Yeah, and it, it's got the music in what? the background. No! Oh, yeah. Why? This shouldn't have been happening in the 2000s at all, even the early what? 2000s. Curtis, get this out of here. Okay, but yeah, that was that was the pacer. It, it brings up bad memories anytime you hear that, but uh, I wanted the people out there to suffer in my suffering. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. What else you see in Stacey? Um... Up, 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 up. This one's kind of weird. Uh, this was one that I actually copied. It wasn't texted in. 
Um, and it was from like Reddit, but it was, so it's a little dark, but it was, if someone hired an assassin to kill you who was analyzing the patterns in your daily routine for a vulnerable location, where are you when they take you down? Where am I at my most vulnerable? Uh, I think where I park my car here at work. Really? Yeah. That's where I'm at my vo- most vulnerable mm. because it's it's not in a very like well well lit area. Interesting. And then I start taking notes. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I'm not going to tell any of y'all where I park. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. But uh, yeah, that's when I'm at my most vulnerable. Um. I was I was thinking it more of a joke where it's like when I get home I immediately change into sweats and sit on my couch. Yeah. Like there is no in between. I am either sitting at work or sitting on my couch. And so I guess uh maybe the transition to and from that would be Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is going to do it for us here tonight. Strong way to end. Make it. sure you're not vulnerable out there. Always keep your head on a swivel, Seattle Sports Tonight Army. That's going to do it for Stay us. Stay ready. Yeah. Always be alert for Curtis Ro- or for Stacy Ross. I'm Curtis Rogers. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow night from seven to nine. The whole gang's going to be here. Uh, myself, Stacy, and Jake. So you don't know. You do not want to miss that. Uh, that's going to do it for us. This is Seattle Sports Night on seven ten ESPN Seattle.